I have some guests here, and we're going to have a conversation with them. Gil Claussen is one of our Forest Grove missionaries who works with Youth for Christ here in Saskatoon for many years, and we've been supporting him and his family. And I welcome Gil this morning. And this is Kristen Westwood. He is also a missionary with um, IBCF on the campus, the university campus. And Kristen is a part of the gathering at Broadway. He's been going there the last few years. And this fall, we just affirmed him and commissioned him as one of our own missionaries. So this might be the first time you're meeting him, but he usually is at the gathering. And so we're really happy that you can be with us this morning as well, Kristen. So Jesus calls each of us to live as sent ones. For some of us, that will mean um, leaving our own culture and going to another part of the world. It may mean learning a new language, a new way of life, a new way of communicating, and how to share the good news in a relevant way. But for many in the church, it will actually mean living sent in our everyday lives and our workplaces. Our global missionaries that we've sent out have become an extension of us as a church in many different places in the world. They are living intentionally as sent ones wherever they've been called. If we live here in Saskatoon, we are called to live out our faith, to have dependence on Jesus, and to build relationships with the people God puts in our life, wherever that may be. We are an extension of the church sent out from Forest Grove, whether it's here at Attridge or at Broadway, and we're sent out all over our city and the communities around here. So most of our missions festivals usually center around global missions and talking about other nations, but today and uh, this next week, we're going to be focusing more on our own city and on our role as people that are called out. Mission is not about location, as Bruce uh, talked about last week in his message. We are all followers of a missionary God who sent his son to live among us, and now God sends us to live among others. In John 20, 21, our theme verse, Jesus appeared to his disciples before, um, after his resurrection, and he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Our lives and our identities have been changed because we know Christ. And because of that, our identity in Christ impacts our roles, it impacts our actions, and how we do life. Mission should be central to our identity as Christians. Our mission statement at Forest Grove is to be a covenant community that loves God, that disciples one another, and reaches out from the river to the ends of the earth. So our message this morning is a little different. As you can tell, we're sitting here. We've got our cups of water, actually, not <laughs> coffee. So we want to learn from some of the strategies and the experiences that Gil and Kristen have had. They are not living in another country. They're living right here in our own city. But they've had to think about the context and the culture and uh, the people that they are sharing Christ with. And so we want to talk to them and uh, learn more about that. So as you're listening to our conversation, don't think of it as just a report of what they're doing, but think of it in uh, how you would apply these things to the places that you have been sent to by God, your workplaces, your neighborhoods, 
Um, maybe it's when you're sitting on the soccer field or watching your kids at hockey. Um, maybe it's some people that you go for coffee with each week. Think of it in that context and, and learn from uh, us as we have this conversation. So, Kristen and Gil, why don't you um, tell us a little about your initial call to mission and uh, how that's impacted even where you are serving now. Start, Kristen? Sure. Um, for me, actually, my like waking up to the call of mission in my life actually came as a student. So when I was in undergrad, I was, I was living a fairly, I think, individualistic kind of safe um, Christian, Christian life where I was committed to Jesus, but not particularly committed to his mission. Um, and I was kind of marginally involved with the InterVarsity Fellowship on my campus. Um, and I was invited to go on a, on a missions trip to Bangladesh one summer. And it was there that God um, did a lot of healing work in my heart, but especially he opened up my eyes to, and when I was out of my comfort zone, out of my context, I could see really clearly the difference between the kingdom of God and when the kingdom of God was not present. And what that actually did for me was... Um, it woke me up to the beauty of the gospel. Um, it woke me up to the power of the gospel and the importance of the gospel. And so I came home from that missions trip and I met with my InterVarsity staff worker. And the thing that I was saying to her was, do people know about this? Like, do they know about the kingdom? Do they really get it? Um, and one of the questions that she asked me that summer that has continued to shape the way I think about missions ever since then was she said, okay, Kristen, you're, you're compelled by this good news, but what about it is good and what about it is news. Um, and ever since then, that's kind of shaped my, my sense around mission whenever I engage with, uh, with the students on campus, is I want them to be able to see um, Jesus as both good and also news. Um, and that question continues to propel me to try and discover it for myself and also share it with others. Good. Well, for me, uh, there's this guy who is my hero. Um, as a young student growing up, this guy named Billy Graham. Some of you guys have probably heard of him. And I just really appreciated Billy Graham and his heart for lost people and his heart to share the gospel. And so uh, as I was growing up, then it, I didn't know anything about Youth for Christ. And then I discovered that actually Billy Graham in the 40s was involved in starting Youth for Christ. So I thought, well, that's cool. So my heart was drawn to just young people and especially young people who are outside of the church, not connected with the church. And so uh, my wife and I both had that same kind of thought that we were drawn to young, working with young people. So we got involved with Youth for Christ and initially we were involved, you know, on the high school campuses, running clubs and camps and all sorts of stuff. And of course, uh, I've been involved in this over 25 years now, so it's shifted a little bit from hands-on working with the students more into leadership and leading the staff and administration. So. so your calling and how God even just woke those things up in each of you personally then kind of led to that becoming involved more in these ministries and mm -hmm. here in Saskatoon as well. Mm -hmm. So last week Bruce spoke about the bridges and the barriers to the gospel and talked about exegeting our culture and contextualization. Remember all of those really big terms that missionaries often use. And so I just thought it would be good to hear from Kristen and Gil um, a little bit of how they have seen the bridges and the barriers um, to sharing the gospel in the places that God has sent them. So Kristen, you're on the U of S campus. Mm -hmm. How have you seen these things play out there? Yeah, um, 
Well, I think that the bridges and barriers to the gospel at the U of S are probably really similar to the bridges and barriers we face as a larger culture. Um, I think one of the biggest barriers to the gospel um, on campus is kind of the baggage that comes with cultural Christianity. And what I mean by that is um, I think that our wider culture has heard some form of the, the gospel in some way um, for a long time. And there are entire communities of students on campus that, um, as a community, have been hurt, um, ostracized, disillusioned by the church. And so it's really easy um, for our wider culture, and especially people from those, smaller, from those sub-communities, to keep Christians in a box um, and to say, if they meet you and find out you're a Christian, to automatically project a whole set of expectations on you. And the thing that's tragic about that is that they project those expectations on Jesus. Um, they project, they, they come to expect from Jesus what they've come to experience from Christians. And so there's automatically kind of a layer of distrust between um, the people of God and I think the people that surround us in our culture. And um, in my experience on campus and in uh, and what I've seen my students um, participating in is I think the best bridge to overcome that barrier, I think the bridge that God has given us is ourselves. Um, I think the most effective bridge that I know of to overcome those barriers of distrust, the baggage of cultural Christianity, um, is significant and authentic relationships. So um, one of our student leaders a couple of years ago, um, her and I, we were really into rock climbing. So we would go and rock climb at the gym kind of on a regular basis. Um, and we just started meeting the people that would be at the rock climbing wall. And there, it, it ended up being this kind of motley crew of people that would end up there once a week rock climbing. And one of the students that would end up rock climbing with us for a whole slew of reasons um, based on the school she went to and her experience of Christians in the past um, would never darken the door of a church. Um, and probably if she walked in into a church would, would be noticed and kind of and in, a, in a really significant way. And I was, having, um, I was hanging out with her a, a last year, some month, and the thing she said to me was, I think that you and... Um, this, this student leader, her name is Lucy. I think you and Lucy are the first Christians that I've ever actually trusted. Um, and I don't know whether this person's going to come to faith down the line, um, but I do know that that step of building trust and, and intentionally making relationships across what seems like an irreconcilable divide um, is the first step to being able to communicate that God loves them. Bill, what would you like to add to that? Yeah, sure. I agree with what Kristen has to say here. Uh, from the youth side of things, I guess, obviously in 25 years, things have changed quite a bit, and yet there's a lot of things that are similar. I see three types or kinds of young people. There's, first of all, there's the group of young people, many who are here. And by the way, I, I need to say that like Forest Grove Community Church, you need to know that we have a really good segment of younger generation people here. And to see these young people on fire for God and living for him and living sent themselves is just very encouraging. And there is a group of people like that. Then there's a, a large number of people who have a little taste. They've had a little taste of what it is to be a Christian or a taste of Christianity. And in some ways that's a positive and in some ways that's a negative because in some ways it's almost like they've been inoculated with the gospel and they're like, yeah, like I've tried that, doesn't work for me, so let's move on. 
And then I see a growing segment of, I think, a third area of young people. Young people in Saskatoon who've never been to church. Like, they have no concept of God and anything to do with God. And it's just, like, not relevant to their life at all. So working in these three different kind of elements, I think I would agree that relationship is the key. Like, building relationship. And it doesn't often start with a Bible study. It often starts with an area of interest. So with Youth for Christ... We have this philosophy that we want to develop programs that go where kids are or get involved in things that our kids are interested in. So uh, one of the programs that we run is an inner-city hockey league, ball hockey league. And um, so we got like 60 teenage boys who love ball hockey. They're not from church. They don't have a lot of interest in church, but they love ball hockey. And so we've got those kids. And then we have these Christian men who also like hockey. And they are the coaches. And by coaching these groups of like six or eight boys, throughout the year, they actually become a, they develop into a small group and they build this relationship. And almost without either of them knowing it, the Christian men who love God and love hockey are mentoring these boys who love hockey. And eventually it, you know, it starts to merge itself out and their stories interlap, overlap. Mm -hmm. So that's one way I see it working. So you can even take your love of hockey or climbing, wall climbing, and, and use that as a place to build relationships. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. When we look at the life of Jesus, um, we see God who came to earth to live among us. And he spent time with people, just like you're talking about. He ate with them. He stayed in their homes. He, uh, he's our example in that. John 14 Verse 1 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or another version says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And I like that, just the thought that we can learn from this example of Jesus and we can move in among people and the way that we do that is spending time with them. So mission flows out of the church, but it doesn't just mean bringing people to the church or to programs. That can be one way, but I think we often need to go and be where the people are and get to know them where they're at and build those relationships and trust with them. So uh, why don't you just talk a little bit about how you've seen um, that happening, how the word becomes flesh and dwells among us, or how you are doing that. You want me to start? Go for it. Sure. Okay. (laughs) This is coming off. Um, In Youth for Christ, we have this philosophy or theory and it's really it's not rocket science it's it's life it's who we are as followers of Jesus and it's this thing that we call three-story evangelism and so if we were sitting if I'm sitting at anybody with a co- at a coffee shop explaining it I love to draw and do illustrations but quite simply uh, calling in our life isn't about occupation it's about who we are as followers of Jesus in Matthew 28 he said go out and make disciples So in this three-story evangelism kind of thing, uh, first of all, I think there's a circle up there, right? Back there? It just says God's story up there, but yeah, okay. So first of all, it starts with God's story, the the story of creation, the story of God's character and who he is. And as believers, we enter into God's story. And uh, so our story connects with God's story. And if the circles, if you can imagine them moving... So you start with God's story, and our circle moves in. And the more that we abide in Christ, the more that we get to know Christ, the more our relationship develops in Christ and God, 
the more our story overlaps with God's story. And so then you enter their story, and those are the friends, our acquaintances, the people that we work with, uh, play games with or whatever. And so you see that these circles intersect. And I think one of the important things is, is that the more, the, the more that our story overlaps God's story, and the more our story, the more our friendships get to know one another, the more God's story naturally just overlaps into their life. And uh, one of the other interesting things is, and I think this is crucial, is that we need to recognize that God is working in everybody's life apart from us. So, you know, there's a little bit of a circle where their story is overlapping God's story. That's where God is working in their lives already. And part of our role, as we listen to their story, as we abide in Christ and let Christ live through us, that overlapping piece is where we help them draw out, well, how is God working in your life? And so that's true for, you know, us in Youth for Christ, but I think it's true for all of us in our relationships. As we share the gospel, as we just sit down at a coffee shop and talk about life, talk about sports, talk about all that stuff, as we live and are connected with Christ, it overlaps, and it just naturally flows out of our lives. Mm-hmm. I could talk for a long time about this, but I'll leave it there. Well, when we were having a conversation about that um this three-story in my office the other day, and Kristen, I think it was the first time you'd heard it, but mm-hmm. just really captured some things that you've been thinking about as well. Yeah, um, yeah. so I heard about this three-story thing about like less than a week ago, but <laughs> since then, uh, I've been thinking a lot about it, and it, in, in InterVarsity on campus, we kind of, we've been living, where we're trying to cultivate a lifestyle communally of, of this, so like one of the places of intersection is between our story and their story, or the people that are outside the community and the people that are inside the community. Um, and I think that as Christians, um, at least in my own life, I don't naturally cultivate those intersecting places. Um, I tend to more naturally gravitate towards hanging out with my Christian friends when I have free time. And so in, in, our, in our student community, we try to actively cultivate those places of intersection. Um, and I know that often in church circles we love potlucks. You know, the, the church potluck is kind of a classic staple of our, of our culture. But, um, you know, our wider community, our wider world eats, eats food together all the time. And Jesus in, in the Gospels was really clear about who he would invite to a dinner party. Um, and he was actually notorious as being the one who welcomes sinners and eats with them. And... I don't know, when I read that, I feel convicted about how seriously I take Jesus' words. Um, And so on campus, one thing we've been trying to do is we do these things that we call home feasts. And the idea is that um, every small group that meets for a Bible study, um, it's mostly Christians, some non-Christians that come as well, but their their rhythm as a a little mini-community is to, every four weeks, intentionally choose to host a meal where they invite their non-Christian friends to come and just be at table with them. And the point of that is not anything more than to cultivate these places of intersection um, where around food and jokes and stories, um, there's, there's a chance for a real relationship to build where we can have vulnerability and honesty with one another. Um, but we're also, um, I think that if we really believe that as, as believers we carry the Spirit of God in us and, and that is a tangible thing, then when we invite people to table with us, to food, to meal with us, or it could be something else like rock climbing or hockey, um, we're inviting people into some kind of taste of the presence of God. 
Um, and I think that's a powerful thing. We talked also about how um, when our relationship with Christ is growing and dynamic, then we're able to share out of that and, mm-hmm. and share those new things that God's doing in our lives um, with other people. Mm-hmm. Are there things you want to add to that? Well, I think I'd just like to clarify that often when we think about outreach, mission, evangelism, we think that the first thing is is that we're sent out to some place. But that's why I like your motto here, live sent. I think the first thing in evangelism or outreach isn't going out, but it's our relationship with God. It's, our, it's the living with him. It's the abiding with him. And as we live in him, and then he sends us out into those relationships. So the first step in evangelism, I think, isn't going out, but it's our relationship. And, you know, I have to work on that. We all work on that. And this is what it is to me to be as a Christian, is to abide in Christ, have conversation with people. Um, and I would add that uh, one of the things that has freed me up the most in my understanding of mission and of evangelism is that it's not something, like I, you said, it's not something that I do. Like, God is actively pursuing reconciliation with all things. Um, in our fellowship, we have this kind of I don't know what you'd call it, like a saying or a, a slogan. My, some of our students made me a mug with a hashtag written on it that said this. What's um, a hashtag? <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's, it's something, it's, yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> um, but we say that God is alive and on the move. Um, and the whole idea behind trying to remind one another that God is alive and on the move is that the point is reminding us that the Spirit of God, like the resurrected Spirit of Jesus, um, is alive, present, and active in the world we inhabit every day. So when we're in our classes, when we're in our labs, when we're playing intramural sports, or if you're not a student, if you're like, you know, there's people you carpool to work with, or you sit in the lunchroom with on the same day, like, the Spirit of God sits with you and is actively pursuing those people. You don't have to do it on your own. It's just a question of how do we cultivate eyes to see, hearts that are soft, ears to hear what God is doing so we can join in. I think that the mission of God is something we join him in, not something that we initiate. So like one of, one of my friends and students, um, he's trying to grow in, in his capacity to speak good news into other people's lives. And one of the ways that he's doing that is like whenever he enters into a space in his day, whether it's a class or the library, he prays going into that space, God, like show me where you're alive and on the move in this place. And then as a community, we're trying to cultivate how do we learn how to listen to God. Um, so this, my friend Jeff is uh, growing in his capacity to listen to God. And so he asks that question as he enters into a space, and then um, he just trusts that the person that, that stands out to him or the person that leaps to mind is the person that God is intent on touching in that moment. And so he'll approach that person, strike up a conversation, um, and, uh, and see where it goes. And Recently, he got to pray for someone and, like, deliver a, like, kind of a word of encouragement to them. Um, I think, <laughs> and he's challenging me, like, on Tuesday, we're going to go eat in, in, one of the student, in one of the school cafeterias, pray that prayer, and just see what happens. Mm. And I've, I haven't done that before, but this is the way that he's challenging me. And, um, and so I'm excited to see what happens. And you should see, like, this guy's face light up when he tells stories of what it's like when he does that. And your whole experience of class, your whole experience of work, your whole experience of, I think, of your entire walk with God 
is transformed when, you, when we realize that God is actively healing our world all around us, and he invites us to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think that's part of what, as um, we were preparing, we, we wanted this conversation to be about not something that, you know, is, is something that guilts us into feeling we need to go out and, and live sent, but that we'd be doing that out of our relationship with Christ, out of the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and working in other people's lives. And it's not our job um, to, to bring people to Christ, but Christ is drawing them, and he's just wanting to use us in that process. And so, yeah, we're just encouraged to think about that. And, and I love that you brought up the aspect of prayer and how important that is in all of this and in all of our building of relationships. So, Gil, was there any last things you wanted to share with us? Sure, I just thought of this. Um, one of my other heroes is Tony Campolo. And uh, just this whole idea of us... Uh, living in God and sharing the, the relationship. He just talked about this story about how he's in this airplane and how he didn't want to have a lot of conversation, which maybe isn't a good thing, but he said, I just leaned up against the guy next to me so my shoulder touches his shoulder, and I just let the power of God flow through my body. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's kind of humorous, but it's true. We have God, the creator God, living inside of us. We have that power. And as we abide in him and as we live in him, that power, just as, as you and me, as we converse and meet with people, it just flows out of who we are. Yeah, so we want to just challenge you this morning. Um, do you think and live and act like a missionary in your everyday life and in the places that you spend um, the majority of your time? And, and uh, what steps will you take to think and to act like a missionary um, this week? And we want to encourage you to spend some time as you go into these places. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's where you drop your kids off um, for school. Maybe it's walking through your neighborhood or with people that God has put on your heart. And we just really encourage you and challenge you this week to spend some time in prayer, just as Kristen was saying also, and ask God, you know, who is it that you want me to build relationship with and to continue to build trust with and that that power of the Holy Spirit would just flow out of you into other people's lives and that you would live sent. Because as we move out from here, look at all of us um, just going out into our city and and impacting our city um, for Christ. And so that's our encouragement for you this morning. And we just uh, pray that God would continue to just grow this vision in us as a church in these next weeks and following farther on as well. So thank you, Gil and Kristen, for this conversation. Mm -hmm.